Hey, Rob, I'm worried about Malik Beasley catching the flu. Why is that, Scott? Because Malik keeps missing all of his shots. Welcome to episode 172 of Wolves Cast. It's hosted by myself and my favorite Detroit Lions fan. I'm Scott. I'm Robert. Detroit Lions, baby. That's right. What is uh, the Motor City? Ooh. We call it Big D. Big D. Do you, is there any fun nicknames for the for the cats this year? Cardiac Kittens. Well, they haven't had very many close games recently. They've been uh, getting pounded pretty badly. Um, so, just the Lions, you know. Lines are good. Awesome. Well, if you want to hear more about that, everyone, you can check out Rob's <laughs> podcast, Kane of the North. Yeah, more uh, Lions talk. Kings of the North, plural. Yeah, lots of. And who really can't get enough Lions talk, you know? But yeah, there's, there's a void in the podcast marketplace in the Twin Cities for Lions talk. So <laughs> I'm just doing doing what I can. Oh man, I mean, there's been some years where I mean, I can imagine what it feels like to be a Lions fan be, or like doing a Lions podcast because we've there's done a the lot of parallels, podcast. yeah, between yeah. Lions and Timberwolves. So I felt like I was always a Timberwolves fan first, and so I felt like it really prepared me for my Detroit Lions fandom in oh, terms yeah. of the disappointment, the humiliation, embarrassment, self-loathing, you know, all those things. You know, I'm used to all that. Yeah, it's not always the most pleasant experience, but I will say I have learned a lot about myself, about life, <laughs> about the things I value. So it's uh, it's good to keep that in it mind. It builds character. Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> we are uh, you were joining us this week because Neil is in Disney World. He's uh, yeah scouting out the bubble in case we need to you know do another bubble this season. Hopefully not. <laughs> sure. I know Omicron is coming, so the Omicron variant. So we'll just see. Uh, but. The Wolves playing uh, like they could be making the bubble. So let's talk mm-hmm. about, you know, we got a big show for you today. We got our normal week recap. It's back. We took a week off the week recap. Last week's episode was a quarter season in review. We had Kyle on, Kyle Radke on to talk yeah. about the first uh, quarter of the NBA season. So I'd recommend you all check that out if you haven't already. Um, but today will be more of a normal show, despite obviously our very special guest. Uh, <laughs> the format will be kind of normal, which is we'll do full court press. Uh, then we got a sponsor. We are going to do some power rankings later in the episode. We're going to be ranking our favorite things about this year's team. So, you know, start thinking in your head right now, what are your favorite things and see if they match up. I'm guessing mm-hmm. a few of them will. Then, of course, we got our weekly Wolfies and we'll end things with a game. I'm very excited for the game. Usually I write the questions, but uh, just like the last Tables time. have turned. Just like the last time Robert was on the podcast, he will be asking me questions because he joined us most recently for our uh, Jeopardy episode, which yeah. was very fun despite you know it not going my way this year for the first time in a few years so so is next year uh, it's true it's if you win every time then it's just not quite as fun you know there's not exactly so i I understand (laughs) i i get the game theory of it but uh you know i wouldn't mind it if the timberwolves won every time we had a kind of an up and down week this week let's go ahead and hop into that recap uh the wolves are now 11 and 11 on the season 500 pretty good although we were one game above 500 that felt amazing but now we're back to 500 yeah that was incredible yeah you, you know if we end this season at 500 i will consider it a massive Oof, success. that would be a huge success so yes i am not upset at all with 
uh, 100. I got the defensive rating, offensive rating, net rating. I got them off basketball reference. I don't know what site Neil usually pulls them off. I saw they're a little bit higher when I saw Kirk Goldsberry's ratings today. He made this nice little chart that shows uh, it's a kind of a, like one of those uh, scatter yeah. plot graphs where it shows the wolves amongst fall. the elite. Oh, it's so it's so crazy. That to see upper right quadrant. Yeah, I think his numbers were like fourth in defense, uh, like 12th in offense, fifth or eighth overall in net rating. The basketball reference number is not quite as good, but still good. Ninth in defense, 20th in offense, which is good for a net rating of 11. Anything above the top 15 is just like money in the bank yeah. for me. So like if we were really like around you know the top dozen best teams in the league, whew, that'll, that, that is just a fun world to you know dream about. So it's the end of the month. We went 8 and 9 in November. Um, we started the month with a big losing streak, and then we had a big winning streak in the middle, and now we're just kind of about even Stevens towards Treading the end water. of the month. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, last week we recorded on Friday, so that was during the Charlotte game, which unfortunately we then went home and watched. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It was a terrible loss. Uh, 115 to 133, just blown out of the water. Uh, not very fun to watch. Um, next up, we traveled to Philadelphia on Saturday, usually a place of pain and misery for Wolves fans, but mm. uh, despite a lot of uh, difficulties, despite blowing like a 20-point lead, th- we did eke out the double overtime win uh, against Philadelphia in Philadelphia. First time winning there in a while by a single point, 121 to 120. We had a win against Indiana at home on Monday. Uh, that was a 198 win. And then last night, we're recording this on Thursday, everybody. Last night, December 1st, on Wednesday, we were in Washington and we took an L, just like all of America takes an L in Washington. Political commentary, 107 to 115. Congress, so, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of a weird week. I didn't end up watching the second half of the Charlotte game because of issues with Bally Sports that I'll get into later in this podcast to Ooh. tease everyone there. But sounds like I didn't miss much in that one. Uh, what, what are your takeaways from the game besides what I saw in the first half was just that Charlotte couldn't miss a three-pointer? Yeah, so that was my main takeaway, honestly, with the Charlotte game is – Again, not a lot of energy, and D'Angelo Russell ended up kind of alluding to that in later games, like against Indiana. He later, like the Wolves got off to a kind of a slow start, and he was saying like Charlotte game vibes, Charlotte game vibes. So not uh, not a lot of energy, and yeah, the Hornets could not miss. They shot, uh, what did they shoot? They shot uh, 57% from three, 23 yeah. of 40, which I – which is, I don't know how you beat a team when they're shooting almost 60% from three on pretty high volume. Um, Now, the Wolves, I mean, we've kind of, one thing that we've been monitoring with the Wolves is shooting luck, and the Wolves have been a beneficiary of some pretty good opponent shooting luck. Um, But then there's kind of going to be those variants, and we saw that against uh, Charlotte where they were hot, hot, hot the entire game. They outscored Minnesota every quarter of the game. So, yeah, th- that being said, I wasn't, like, super discouraged by that loss. That's going to happen during the season. The Wolves aren't going to beat everybody. Um, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't like – I mean, some of those shots that I saw, it wasn't the best defense. But it wasn't like, you know, these were wide-open shots for the most part. I think Charlotte was just super hot, which is going to happen. There wasn't a lot of point of attack defense for Lonzo, or not Lonzo, uh, Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those were like, especially the ones when Kelly Oubre got hot. He was setting the table real well. They weren't really sure what to do in terms of dribble penetration. Um, but yeah, even 
wide open for a team to shoot almost 60% from three is you just got to tip your cap and be like, okay, if you can do that during the course of a game. And it's a little easier. It's easier to put a bad loss behind you when you follow it up with a good win. You know, something we did not expect. One, the team, you know, played really poorly in Charlotte. Then you go on to the second night of a back-to-back where Timberwolves and most teams uh, struggle on the second night of a back-to-back just from the tiredness of not being able to rest. And when you're traveling from one city to another city for the second night of a back-to-back, it all just compounds itself. And then, Mm -hmm. on top of that, we get into uh, Philadelphia and... We, uh, what was it? I think some play, was this the game where some people were missing for flu? I know Bev, Bev was out because Bev hurt himself in the beginning of Charlotte. Right? Uh, I think we had everybody uh, okay. for, for this Except game. Noah Kogi. Okogi played a lot. Or, I'm, I'm, there were a lot of DNP coaches' decisions, but right. everyone was available. Except so, for, uh, except Bev. for Pat Bev. Right. And so, uh, and then uh, I just keep listing all this stuff that was going against us. They had Embiid come back, you know, for this game. Yeah. So we didn't even get a duck Embiid. So yeah, and like, Tobias uh, Harris. Oh, yeah. You just had to look at all those factors and think, like, this isn't going to be a very fun game to watch. But got off to a great start in the first half. Basically, mm-hmm. nothing was working for Philly. And, you know, that – and this season, usually I'm just like, oh, yeah, so their f- offense is really bad. But, you know, with the Timberwolves' defense, it's, it's a different story this year. We were kind of getting our way with them on defense. And, uh, unfortunately, the only way they were scoring was the free throws like Joel had like 20 some free throws or something in this game such a long game because of all the free throws and two overtimes it was literally being like a three and a half hour long game oh yeah it was the only thing keeping Philadelphia in the game in the first half was all those free throws so um which is just funny too Joel is a guy who falls to the ground a lot you know yeah flops a lot really sells it you know he's like the biggest guy in the NBA and he also is constantly like falling over I I was thinking like personally what I would start doing if I ever did something where like I barely touched a player and then they fell down I would just stand over there and flex I'd be like man I'm so strong did you see me push down this 750 pound guy (laughs) like he was a bat you know a rag doll I must be pretty pretty strong you know like Jaden McDaniels doing that right next to Embiid like, would you get a technical foul? Because I really think that players should do that more often. Just be like, oh, you made it seem like I'm Superman because I barely t- I touched you with my finger and you went flying five feet across the court, you know? Like. With Embiid, for, just for the, the meme ability of it, it'd probably be worth the point. Right, exactly. Yeah, the exactly. humiliation. And especially for Embiid because he's, you know, more attuned to, you know, his online reputation than most players in the league. So he wouldn't want to yep. be clowned on social media. There could be players out there like, I feel like Tony Allen would not care if he mm. was a meme on social media. He'd be like, whatever, next play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but Embiid probably would. That exactly. would bother him because he's think- the troll, the troll of the NBA, the troll right. prince. You got to shame him out of it. There was another play that happened this week. I forget which game it was, but like it was a thing where like D'Angelo barely touched a guy and he just went down. And maybe it was Beal. Uh, Beal had a bad flop too, where it was just yeah, like he did. He's not strong enough to make Beal like go flying across like it's an action movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I can get uh, it if somebody kind of like loses their balance a little bit, but like that that was Beasley last night who kind of extended the arm a little bit on Beal and he goes like flying. Right, and it's it. Uh, I get it. You're, that's what you're supposed to do, and everything. But it is comical at times. 
I remember there'd be some kids in high school who would have fake Dragon Ball Z fights in the hallway, you know, where <laughs> they'd be acting like one person's like sh- pretending to shoot energy projectiles and the other guy's like pretending to take it and he'd be like on the ground and like scooting his back across the room and stuff. And that's what it kind of reminds me of. It's just like, wow, too, too bad. I'm too bad. Neil and I missed that. No, no, it would definitely, mean streets of Farmington. It was definitely after your time. It must have been like my senior year or something. I was going to just say about this uh, Philadelphia game. I do feel like this is one of the best regular season wins that the Wolves have ever had. And that is not a particularly long list, granted. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly in the time that I've been watching, just all these different variables. Like if you told me that Cat was going to foul out, that that Embiid was going to outshoot, out free throw shoot the entire team. If you told me that we were, the Wolves were going to, give up at the end of uh was it the first overtime with the offensive rebound off of the free throw oh yeah situation if you told me that was going to happen drummond um if you told me that um we we're gonna have to rely on d'angelo russell down the stretch for both offense and defense to win a game and if you just told me that we were gonna beat we we're gonna beat beat philadelphia in two overtimes in philadelphia like I would have said no way to all of those different things. So all of those different variables adding up and the Wolves getting a win was it, it made it very, very memorable. My hands were hurting after the game. I was clapping so loud and like yelling and all the all the demonstrative stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, I was with you. And especially like it goes both ways too, because when when Drummond got that rebound, that offensive rebound to send it into second overtime, like I was screaming, you know, the other way, screaming in agony agony. Uh, yeah. but because it's it's exactly what you said every one of those excuses in a previous season would be enough for the wolves to be like well we don't have it tonight Can't i was having out. i was i had flashbacks to the um De'Aaron fox missed free throw from well, i don't remember if it was oh, last yeah. season yeah it was and also season. the uh chris paul jersey tucked uh oh. untucked debacle like all of those all those real gut punches you know, like how could this happen at the end of the game? They should. Right. We should be done by now. And the Wolves lose all those games. It's just a foregone conclusion. Um, I'd always thought with with the Wolves, and this is just sort of overall season. Uh, but I think the Philly game kind of encapsulates what might be different this season as opposed to previous Wolves teams. Is if the Wolves didn't win a game big when they were up big then they were going to lose the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. If they let a team back in, they were going to lose that game. Uh because they just they didn't have any toughness. Once the momentum swung, they weren't able to ever get it back. Uh, and so you'd see see times where the Wolves were up, you know, 15 or 20 points and we saw that with like Orlando earlier in the year. Um and even like the Clippers, they were up 20 in one of those three games. But they once the momentum switched, they, the Wolves were never able to, to get it back. And to be able to do that against uh, Philly across two overtimes, and it's like it, it was basically like an hour of, you know, on your feet, clutch basketball. 
Um, And yeah, even without Cat, they were able to make it work. So yeah, and I mean, enough can't not be said about D'Lo in those overtimes. He didn't really have a good game until the fourth quarter, and then he just turned it on. But like, so many guys are struggling. I think Ant was like one of nine from three in the game. Towns fouled out. Mm -hmm. Towns had been scoring, but he was out. And uh, just like that's how you you're gonna you know change change some opinions about you D'Lo is some performances like that I think a lot of people are pretty happy to have him on the team props to uh props to Nas Reed too he D'Lo got the love but Nas had some big buckets later on too he held his own in uh Cat's stead yeah so absolutely for Nas uh moving on to Indiana on Monday I feel like this was kind of like a good game I think Finch said the same thing that I'm about to repeat so I guess I'm just copying him or repeating him. He said it first, but we played poorly and won. Uh, he yeah. was like, he's like, this was not a good game for or us. We did not play well, but we still won, which there's something to be said for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the thing that bummed me out about this game was on Tuesday, I was out driving, went by an Arby's. I was like, hmm, maybe I should stop and get my free beef mm. and cheddar. Looked at the app. No. It's the first time this season we have not reached ten threes. We only had nine threes in this nine game. of nine of thirty five. Yeah, and it was it's been such a no brainer that you get your beef and cheddar for every game this season because like what is it twelve threes thirteen threes it doesn't matter we're gonna get those yeah you know and uh, just a shocker but uh, you know I guess that's why it was a low scoring one one hundred and ninety eight anything uh, about Indiana that piqued your interest? Um, I think that it was. It was kind of a frustrating game just because to see Sabonis like just get so many rebounds and another one of those 25 rebounds. Yeah. And also Sabonis, another game where Cat fouled out um, and another one of those games where you where Sabonis also had five fouls and there were a couple of the down the stretch when it was kind of going back and forth a little bit. A um, couple non-calls on Sabonis that you thought like, oh, not, not only would Cat not have gotten, he would have been called for that, but and Sabonis didn't, so it's kind of like this double whammy sort of thing. Right. Um, but again, I, I like the, I like that you saw from the Wolves team that hey, even when we're not playing well, we do we can't still rely on our defense. Um, they gave up 41 points in the second half against oh, Indiana. That was great. That was great. Yeah, so that I mean, a co- what can you say about Okogi? One thing I'll say for him, yeah, he's for me, he's an extremely frustrating player at times, just because of the offensive limitations. Um, but when when he's on defensively, he's as good as the Wolves have. Um, he's kind of like he's been playing mostly when he has played at kind of like the four, but he's probably Wolves' best. I mean, he's up there with Pat Bev in terms of just being that irritant. He probably single-handed. He got Chris Duarte kicked out of the game, basically. Yeah, the double technical because of that kind of irritant. He he kind of started that whole process of him getting a double technical, yeah. and Duarte was playing well. Uh, he ended up with 14 points. He got kicked out in the third quarter, I think. So he was on was his way big. to a good I mean, game. This is a game we won by two points, and they had three technical free throws that we made. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like yeah, usually, that's the, the stat against the Timberwolves is like we lost by two points, and we we committed <laughs> right, a bunch of technicals. Yes. So like it's fun to be on the other side of that. But yeah, it really made the difference. Like I said, three points in a two point game, but all those yeah, technicals totally. You know, so whew, yeah, so uh, it was good about, to yeah. Go ahead. My thing about Indiana is like. 
Is it like a team thing that you have to have the top of your hair bleached blonde? Like it's such a it's such yeah. A weird I don't look. know. I'm not a fan. You're not. I mean, whatever. It it works for some guys, I don't like but it. there's a little wolves on wolves violence that comes though. that comes down from uh, Rick Carlisle. Yeah, he, you're gonna be on this team. You go to bleach your hair. He said in the culture, and Kelly Oubre wanted <laughs> yes. to join the team. That's why he did it. And then they're like, "No, Oubre, you got to do more than bleach your hair to get on the team." Yeah, uh, no one one thing I heard about on Reddit, somebody was posting about their experience. They got like seats right behind the Wolves bench, and they wrote about how much fun it was and exciting to watch the energy on the bench and stuff. And he was talking about how Patrick Beverly was hounding former Wolf Keelan Martin. Yeah, uh, saying yeah. like you don't need to guard that guy, just yelling like really mean things about not needing to guard him. So I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I think they were mean to uh, Jarrett Culver too during yeah. that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Whatever you win games, you can do stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we're going a little over on week recap. So let's briefly touch on the Wednesday win. We don't need to talk much loss. about this uh, Wizards game. Yeah, it was a bummer because it was close all game. So I really felt like it was ours to take. We didn't play very well yeah. though, and so it was one of those things where I was just like, "We're playing really badly, but we're still in it." That's kind of what happens when you have a good defense. Is you can play poorly on offense and still have a chance there. But we let it get away from us in the end. It seemed like uh, obviously the big issue was the paint points. Uh, Trez Oof. Montrez Harrell was like eleven of twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Like all their bigs were, yeah, the bigs basically didn't miss anything. We did not have any kind of rim protection, and the defense just kind of broke apart whenever they would get into the paint and just do a simple pick and roll, and man, uh, we just couldn't stop anyone at the rim. So that was unfortunately the story of the night. Yeah, disappointing game. D'Angelo Russell had kind of a, I'd call it the old D'Lo sort of game, 3 of 18 Yeah, for Mm D'Lo. Still had nine assists. He still impacted the game in other ways. But yeah, and uh, another... I don't know how much of the the defensive struggles you could attribute to some of our key defensive guys like Vanderbilt and even Edwards at this point for the amount of minutes that he gets yeah. being kind of under the weather, um, no Jaden McDaniels, so you're a little bit shorthanded or guys aren't playing at 100%. But, yeah, it's still disappointing in that you were in it, you did have a chance, and looking forward to the rest of December, this was one of the few – I mean, the Wizards are a good team, don't get yeah. me wrong, but this was a game that you would have liked to have had when you're, you could be looking back after you know games against like Utah and Brooklyn and Atlanta coming up here and like, ooh, that Washington, we'd take Washington right now given what we've had to face. So yep, disappointing, but you know, it, it happens. So I'm still not that discouraged. Yeah, we'll see if Cat plays tomorrow. Uh, he landed on his tailbone. Yeah, thank goodness he seems to. It seems to be wasn't anything you know like broken or anything. Right. Bad like yeah, that. I think he'll probably play because I think it's mostly just a pain thing. I one time the worst time I ever hurt my tailbone. It was in my friend's driveway. They had a pool out in the driveway, and I did a cannonball into it. And thinking like that's gonna you know slow me down or protect my <laughs> protect my butt. Basically, it was tailbone straight to the concrete, you know. And uh, that was when I learned about how much it can hurt when you hurt your tailbone. So I, I understand. Well been him. there. I understand him writhing on the bench, but even when he was doing that, I was just like, I don't think this is gonna be like a structural injury. I think it just hurts like hell, you know. Yeah, hopefully that's what's it. But yeah i mean that that was scary though because not only were you going to lose the game but cat gets injured in essentially garbage time yeah exactly. i mean the game wasn't over yet but it was heading that direction so mm-hmm. 
It would have been a double gut punch. Yep, I do feel like if the flu wasn't going through the clubhouse, we probably would have had that game just because it, we were so close the whole game. I think just an extra 5% out of Vando or Ant probably would have turned the tide for us. Mm, yeah, it happens, though. All right, well, let's go ahead and go on to full court press. Here's the tip. Okay, well, Robert, it's fun to have you on the show again. Like I said, we haven't had you on since the preseason when you did our Jeopardy uh, show. Yeah. So I just wanted to catch up with you, take your temperature on some of the early season talking points of interest that have been hot topics on the pod. Yeah. So first of all, bring it on. The, the you know the jerseys that are sold out across the Twin Cities right now in, in advance of Christmas. How do you feel about the new city jerseys? Um, I like them, but I also am like, I don't know. I'm not much of a fashion critic sort of thing, especially when it comes to jerseys. I've never really seen other than the Minnesota, the Muskies jerseys. Those I thought were awful. Um, and the Al Jefferson era, uh, Wolves jerseys. I was never a fan of, but Pretty much everything else that's come since then, I've always been at least okay with. Like the only ones that I've really gotten up for were the, the Prince jerseys. Yeah. Um, these ones I think are fine. You know, I think they look pretty cool. Um, kind of a spin on kind of the old Wolves logo. So yeah, I'm down with it. I'm not going to buy one, and I couldn't even if I wanted to. But I think they're cool. Yeah, I'm growing on them. I think they're, you know, especially if we're going to get wins in them like we did in Philadelphia. You oh, know? you know the other ones I didn't really like that much? The uh, the gray ones. I can't remember uh, if that yeah. was the earned yeah, jerseys. Yeah, that, that, uh, no, that was a city edition uh, the first year that they did city Just editions. didn't think it was very imaginative. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I think it's funny that these jerseys kind of call back to them with the gradient kind of pattern. It's not really a gradient, but it's kind of like the dark back of the jersey and the lighter front of the jersey with like kind right. of the wolf fur effect on the sides. So I think it's funny that, you know, that jersey, although I will say that jersey does have a place in Wolves history despite only being one season because that was the season we went to the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And yep. down the stretch, we wore those every night. I think the team just was like, <laughs> these are our jerseys that we're winning in. I don't know if it was superstition or if they just like the style, but I'm pretty sure they wore them during game 82. They wore them I've, for almost every game of the playoff series against the Rockets. I guess that uh, the you're talking about the gray ones. Yeah. I'm going to guess that Jimmy probably spearheaded that because it was the least Timberwolves-y Right, exactly. Possible. He was already out the door. He was like, I don't want to yeah. be caught. In I'm on the team, but I don't want to be I want to be associated with the Wolves as little as possible. Oh, so yeah, I don't want absolutely. the Wolves colors. Give me gray. All right. Well, another thing that is kind of sad about December, or a good thing depending on how you feel, is that I think it's Burleson? Burleson? Kevin Burleson? I don't Kevin know. Burleson, yeah. Yes, there he is. He is back. Uh, it's his month to do the halftime interviews now with uh, – mm-hmm. Marnie Gellner's replacement, Katie something. I don't know. Mr. I'll get Marnie. her name. She's new. You know, she, she's she got to put in the you gotta build the relationship. Like Marnie. Yeah. yeah, you can't just get on Marnie level that quickly. But uh, that means no Mike and Nori. It was a long way of pre- setting yeah. that up. You know, he was uh, he won some fans, but also drew a fair amount of backlash for his uh, imaginative uh, turns of phrases that he would seemingly force <laughs> into his halftime interviews. Uh, so I was wondering how you felt about that Nori energy for the month of November. I liked him. He's just making. I mean, these these assistant coach interviews were always so boring, and they're always just like the same stuff. Like, yeah, we got to keep up the defensive intensity, and yeah, we got to hit the boards and try to get out in transition. It's just the same stuff over and over again. So at least the interviews with with Micah were always like. You didn't know what he was going to say. 
You know, yeah. it might be the same kind of platitudes, but he would word things differently. And so I was a fan. You know, hopefully we'll see him again sometime soon. I'm looking forward to uh, Pablo, too. Oh, yeah. Give us Pablo. That'll be great. Have, yeah. Hopefully, uh, Leandro Balmaro will be playing a lot then so we can get some good Pablo. Yeah, yeah. Balmaro. I'd love that. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, I've been more of a hater on Nori than, than a fan, but I will say uh, for the Saturday game, I think that was the 76ers game, I missed the halftime interview. I went, you know, upstairs to grab a drink or something during halftime and I came back down and because of some issues with the app, I couldn't rewind it. So I missed his interview and I was uh, legitimately a little upset. I was just like, oh man, I missed the interview and I can't rewind it. Like, darn it. And then I was like, do I like Nori? I guess I do. Cause I was like yeah. so bummed to miss his interview. It's must-see TV. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought another funny callback was last night I was watching the game, and I was kind of bummed, you know, Wizards won. So I was sitting there next to my wife, Meg, and I was just like, ah, yeah, that's a bummer. And she goes, my, my wife says, uh, you know, they just played too much like, they, they, they just played like SpongeBob, too many holes early, which was one of oh. Nori's things during the Lakers yep. game. Uh, I think it was. Meg was watching with me, and Michael, Mike and Nori's is like, we just we played like SpongeBob, too many holes early. Can you imagine guys like at at a bar or something with the Wolves game on, like they're talking to something during halftime, and then they're like, "Hey, shut up! Nori's shut about up, to be up. interviewed." <laughs> oh, Everyone, that'd quiet! Be great. A hush yeah. falls over the entire bar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe one day, you know, he's definitely got an auspicious start to it. His uh, halftime yeah. interview career, so we'll have to watch. We'll have to his, keep a close eye on his development. Yeah, interview so we'll, development. We'll watch his career with great interest. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have you been to a game yet, Robert? I have. I went to game two against the Pelicans. The mm. f- uh, so we had the back-to-back with New Orleans early in the season. We won the first game. That was a game that I was at. It was a really ugly game. Um, cat fouled out of that one, too. I was. I went with my dad. We were sitting next to a older couple who were constantly – like I felt bad for them. They were just constantly complaining about everything that was going on, even though the Wolves were up for almost the entire game. <laughs> um, but like, there were one of these fans where the the Pelicans would shoot a jumper, and while the ball was in the air, they would be like, "No!" Aww. Like I guess their their criteria for good defense was that they didn't even get a shot up. Like even if it was, a, they just assumed everything was going in, and they ended up leaving after Carl Anthony Towns fouled out. Even wow. though the Wolves ended up winning the game, right? So that's, that's such a bummer too, because I was at that game as well, and I remember yeah. like that night it was, uh, De, De, is his name Devonte Graham? Yeah, Devonte Graham. Devonte Graham and Nicholas Alexander Walker both were like one. Nikhil. Nikhil. They they were yeah. like one for thirteen and like one for twelve from three pointers each. And so yeah, that that's a lot of balls up in the air where they're going no. Oh, to see them bad. Like bounce out. <laughs> yeah, when they left, I was. I stood up and started like clapping, like yes, yes. finally. You should have you, the next shot after they left. You should have been like no, and see if no. the crowd, crowd reacted. Yeah, yeah. The crowd would appreciate. Shut up! Antics. I thought we were done with that. Yeah, I, that's uh, I think the only game I've been to this season, but I got to get another one in here soon because January. I'm, uh, there's only three home games in January. I'm going to the Monday game with uh, 
my co my podcast co-host professor pigskin oh nice that'll be a good one i think the hawks are a really fun and interesting team i have a little back on track so i'm a little worried that it could we haven't had good luck against atlanta i i have made a little little pickup pool with some friends about we you know make some bets about the nba season before it starts and uh that was one of my wilder bets was i i had them getting a lot of wins in the eastern conference because i figured the bucks have won the championship they're not gonna you know kill themselves trying to get the number one seed the nets i also think will kind of especially the way they started the season now their record's really good but the way they started the season i'm like oh they look like they might be playing themselves into shape throughout the season too but the hawks i was like they're hungry they you know mm-hmm. kind of found themselves in the playoffs last year and they're, they're want to prove it's not a fluke yeah and their roster is so deep i feel like they could take some injuries and really just not you know really just keep rolling through the eastern conference so i put a lot of uh, a lot of wins in their column and they've disappointed me a little bit to start the season but i mean they've got so many fun players to watch it'll be a really they're good they're getting one. back on track it's weird that the east i can't think of a team in the east that you could say is like a bad team right now like the Cavs are pretty good. I mean, the Pistons. They were sp- Pistons, excuse me. That's, yeah, that's the right, only the one, Pistons. though. That's the only one, because you're right. The Cavs are playing great. You're right, Pistons. Wizards are playing great. I mean, the Magic have, have had a kind of growing Magic pains, beat the but, Wolves, so, yeah, I mean, and that's true. probably the only time they're playing this year. So, you know, that – and they're at least, like, competent. Yeah. No, I think there's a difference, though, because I've – It's weird. I, you always expect a couple bad teams in the East. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, I, and you know, those, the bad – the wheat will separate itself from the chaff or whatever the saying is because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we'll figure out the bad teams. But you're right. The start of the season has been yeah. pretty even. Although, I want to pump the brakes on people who are like, the East is good. The East might be better than the West. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go that far because mm. the East might have more quality teams this more year. More depth. But, yeah. like – uh, there's only like one team in the East that scares me. You know, like I'd be scared to play the mm-hmm. Nets. Like I'm scared about about the Nets. That game could go really not a bit Milwaukee, badly. huh? Well, we beat Milwaukee. You know, so like oh, okay, that well. make, that that make, changes my opinion just a little bit. But other than that, like there's no team I'm afraid to go up against. I'm not afraid of the Heat or anything. The way I'm like afraid of some teams in the West, or I'm just like you know, you're going into Denver. You know, you're gonna have a tough night. You know. Right. Maybe well, it's just me, but I, I'm not afraid of teams in the East. I still think the West is like by far still way better than the East, but maybe that's just my homer pick here, you know? Yeah, you're a, a West fanboy. How tough can the West be if the Timberwolves are good? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, well, uh, unless there's anything else from the first quarter of the season that you really want to comment nah, on. We got up most of my thoughts. All right. On kind of the actual basketball stuff earlier. So, well, let's go ahead then to our next topic. He's heating up. All right. I, put, I call this World of Balmoro, which I'm saying just for mm. Neil. He'll get a kick out of that because of the Disney World pun. Uh, but yeah, Leandro, Leandro Balmaro. It's going to take me a few times to say it correct every time. Uh, Leandro Balmaro. Uh, I think it was the... It's a fun name to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had some rotation issues. Guys were sick. Guys were hurt. And uh, I think more than anything, I guess the surprise... Well, basically, I should cut to the chase right away. Balmaro got playing time in the first quarter in the rotation. Not Non-garbage garbage time. time yeah. Exactly. So he's out there playing with Cat and stuff. So uh, that's kind of the headline is this guy that we've been kind of waiting to see play as finally started getting some real minutes this week. And, you know, at the expense of J-Mac, the young, the littler, you know, I was not yeah. the younger, but the littler J-Mac, uh, Jordan Lil McLaughlin. Mac. Yeah, exactly. Little Mac. 
So at his expense too, and I think uh, you know a lot of that is due to just the defensive size that uh, you know Leandro brings because he's not really he he's not really destroying the world on offense. We don't need him to, but it, it just seems like he has more length and is pretty good at staying in front of his man. So that might be behind the thinking of going for going to him instead of McLaughlin this week. What have you seen out of Balmaro? Um, I mean, you've really there ha- again even with some minutes there hasn't been a ton to really. <laughs> Clean. I'd say he has good energy. I remember hearing somebody compare him to when um, during summer league. Somebody compared him to Corey Brewer, which was sort of like a lot of energy, but can kind of get out of control at times. Um, Now, if the Wolves, if he ended up becoming a Corey Brewer type player, I'd take that all day. I love Corey. Oh yeah. But in terms of what we've seen so far, he has not looked out of place. Um, he he did get toasted a few times uh, by uh, Malcolm Brogdon um, during the Indiana game. Uh, then they had to switch a Kogi over to him. Um, but you know he looks he looks like he's got good intensity, good energy. He's a guy that you can put out there to maybe kind of slow down teams because he can't pick up guys full court. Um, I mean he's had a couple drives that have looked okay. You know, I, I, but he's he's what like twenty or something, twenty one. So yeah, he's a young guy playing in his first you know meaningful NBA minutes. So I think there's me there's reason to be encouraged um, by what we've seen so far. We haven't seen really much of the kind of what he was known for, like the flashy playmaking right. and all that. Um, but you know, I'm sure that he's just trying to. You know, worst thing he could do is go in there and do a dumb turnover on like a oh, behind yeah. the back pass or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, sure you, he's you finally got in the coach's trust. You can't blow it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm happy that a lot of these guys, th- there's opportunities when guys, you know, are out of games, whether it be for sickness or injury or whatever. I wonder so, if Corey Brewer's career would have been differently if he had that kind of pressure. Like, I got to play within myself or I'm going to get pulled, you know? that That's kind of the double-edged sword with Corey is that his greatest strength was also his greatest weakness and that he could, you know, he could score 50 in a game because he's just constantly sprinting up the floor. Mm-hmm. But then he'd have a game where he was like 0 for 12 with six turnovers and oh, five yeah. fouls. Just, just dribble the ball off himself because he was going yeah, too fast. Yeah, yeah, because he couldn't control himself. So he, that's... But I think it's Corey's amazing. Still, I want Corey's jersey to be retired by the Wolves. Uh, by uh, why the not? We might as well. I yeah. have, have the name <laughs> Brewer, Brewer hanging in the rafters. Oh, yeah. I would cry. I think with Corey, though, I can't believe it now that, that like his career is over. I can say like he got through his whole career without like a career-ending injury from him. Just like he was just the the rubber man, you know. He would he would always just launch himself at the rim and get these dunks, and then he would not care about landing. He would just you know. There's so many times yeah. you see him take a huge, just a spill. tremendous athlete, yeah, yeah just crazy just, run jump athlete. I just said he was made out of rubber because it seemed like he would always take these huge blows and just get back up and keep running. Like you know, like he's almost like too skinny and like sinewy to like really you know <laughs> to really break down, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean getting back to Bomaro, I'm I'm encouraged to see him play more minutes since anytime any of these like rookies come in and not like Anthony Edwards type rookies where they're right. gonna get a lot of rope. Um but guys like Bomaro or he's not a rookie, but someone like Jalen Noel, who it's like they're you know, these guys could easily be getting DNP CDs, you know, any given game. 
Right. And so when the opportunity comes up for them to get some minutes and then they actually make the most of it, it's like, hey, it's it's one more player that you can throw out there who you, you can feel some level of confidence in that they're going to contribute. Um, and sickness, these kind of these last couple games where guys have been sick has given some opportunities for some guys to get some run and give Finch some uh, real – uh, perspective on what they can bring in real minutes and so yeah it's blessing in disguise maybe yeah there's no there hasn't been any highlights from him yet but there hasn't been any also like low lights there hasn't been anything where i was like no yeah he got put in the, in the rotation then he dribbled the ball <laughs> off his foot like two straight times and then committed a bad foul or something like that there's not there's not been any big mistakes either so uh, all in all you know you'll take that from the rookie yeah exactly we haven't gotten that yet with nathan knight which i'm actually kind of looking forward to not I don't want it to come because, like, you know, somebody tears their AC. One of our right, bigs, yeah, exactly. you know, gets hurt or something like that. But I'm looking forward to him getting an opportunity to show what he's got. Yeah, because um, it's always fun. It's you know, it's like a new. There's a. There's kind of a sense of uh, sense of wonder almost where it's like, oh, what's going to happen with this new guy? Right, I'm trying to really think like other than garbage, a lineup we need to match up against. Like maybe if we're playing the Lakers and they have LeBron, AD, Dwight, and like <laughs> Melo out there, we can go with a big lineup with Nas and Cat and Nathan Knight out there, maybe or Nathan something like Knight that. At, Nathan Knight at the two, right? <laughs> Although he's he, I looked it up. Uh, he's the second tallest player on the team, so you know maybe keep him. At that they point. had um, uh, with the Wizards game they. For the first time I can remember, they had uh, Vanderbilt, Cat, and Nas out on the floor. Oh, I loved it. Let's do it. You know, those are yeah, get weird with it. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, that that would should be that would be my uh, mission statement behind our podcast. Get weird with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our final topic of the week. He's on fire. All right. Well, this one is kind of nebulous, but I just feel like the eyes are on Minnesota a little bit more than they normally are, which is just all me- eyes north. Which is yeah, exactly to say that they're on us at all because normally this is the team you, you don't have to watch. You know, if you're covering the whole NBA or something like that. But uh, one, uh, I would say that the national media is paying attention. We had to mention on Bill Simmons' podcast. I didn't listen to it because Simmons kind of drives me crazy. Last time I listened to a podcast <laughs> where he talked about the Wolves, I just listened to the bit about the Wolves. It was on Twitter or something. And he, his Zach Lowe t- gave the Wolves some love. Oh, nice. Um, I haven't heard that yet. This, uh, was, this was before the Philly win. Oh, nice. I think. So, yeah. They're, I mean, all the love is going to uh, – most of the love is going towards uh, – Phoenix and Golden State, sure, right now, and and even Milwaukee. I think they've won like eight or nine in a row too. But yeah, I, you Minnesota's know, it's getting some attention. Twenty-two games in, you know, we got a couple good wins in our on the season so far. We're at five hundred. Now it's time for people who cover the NBA to be like, okay, maybe I should start paying a little bit of attention to them. And the league is unnoticed because uh, next Friday's game against the Lakers got bumped up to ESPN. So you know, mm-hmm. we were, we said that we we're talking about how the Wolves had no national television games. Now we got That's- some. Yeah, I think we had one. So this doubles yeah. the amount of national television. And it's a sign of what's have. to come. You know, if we keep playing like we are, we're going to keep getting bumped up because we're a team yeah, yeah. of interest. And uh, yeah, my my joke about Simmons was the last time I listened to a podcast, he was like, I I saw Carl Anthony Towns come to L.A. to play against the Clippers because Simmons has Clippers season tickets. And he didn't have a good game, so I've been out on him forever. And it's like, yeah, the one time you watched a game, he had a bad game. And so you were just already wrote out the team. But anyways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Boomer. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. But and then also, I think so on one hand, it's like 
national attention is on the team and we're going to be on national television so let's all be let's all bring the energy to that home game you know i don't want to see it hasn't been an issue for recent years but that's kind of because lakers are bad we used to have an issue where uh, this was in a uh, kind of a home game on the road for lakers because there used to yep. be so many kobe bryant fans and people wearing Oof. lakers jerseys in the target center that the cheers would be louder for the lakers than the timberwolves and that always totally really bothered me but since the lakers got bad after the co after kobe retired the lakers were in the wilderness for a few years and generally the Wolves fans then kind of outnumbered the Lakers fans so we haven't seen what happened since the bubble you know because there was no fans and seats last year uh, so we don't really know what effect the Lakers winning a championship and kind of being relevant again has on the Minnesota you know network of Lakers fans we'll see I guess on that game if the Lakers more Lakers fans or Wolves fans but I'm saying let's bring that energy Wolves fans let's get loud you know sometimes we look bad on television because it'll be a huge dunk and then it'll pan to the crowd and like people are looking at their phones and not like standing <laughs> up and stuff you know so I just hope that you know we, we represent ourselves well hopefully the Wolves can have a good game but I think also there's this aspect of other teams are noticing what we're doing and that's going to change how we play because I feel like we're starting to get scouted a little bit. I think that was a big issue in in Washington was they kind of scouted how our pick and roll defense goes and then figured out a way, a game plan to adjust to it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we had a hard time reacting because I think a lot of teams just, you know, don't scout us very much because we're the Timberwolves. So you haven't had to scout us for 17 years. Why would you now? You know, and <laughs> right. you just figure like, oh, we'll just play basketball against them. We're a better team. And I think that, you know, now that teams are going to be paying attention to us you know maybe we're going to have some hard times as we have to make an adjustment to the adjustment other teams are making to us so i just think that's something to keep an eye on you know yeah it's 20 games or so it's been a while since the wolves have i'd say against the majority of nba teams maybe not a huge majority but the wolves have a talent advantage against them i'd say they probably did against uh against washington um they they didn't probably against Philly, but yeah, I mean each you're not getting like you said, it's not the sort of thing where it's just like, okay, we don't really need to game plan that much because we're better than them. And it's sort of like, you know, the the Globetrotters don't need to scout the Washington Generals or anything like that. We'll just win. Right. Um so yeah, there there have been some adjustments that we've seen. Um we saw earlier on early in the season with the with the Clippers um, sending like a, a smaller guy to guard Cat, and then immediately sending a double, and how effective that was. And then we saw some of that in later games. Oh, so yeah, I mean, call. word, yeah, yeah word, uh, word gets around uh, in the NBA if something is working uh, for a team, for a team, or working poorly for a team. Yeah, I mean, just keep going back to that. Well, so we'll have to see if Chris Finch is able to make the adjustments to all the other teams' adjustments. Um, that's what's so interesting about this year. You know, it's it's a weird feeling, honestly, uh, because these last since the Jimmy Butler year, there really hasn't been. You know, the Wolves have the only time they've gotten national media recognition was for them screwing up, oh, yeah. or embarrassing stuff, uh, and so Wolves fandom was kind of like this little niche, um, little not not noticed kind of corner of NBA fandom. And now all of a sudden you're getting people that are like, oh, the Wolves are, you know, they're, they're noticing us. And it's like, don't know. I don't know what to think about it. There's something about 
like being a fan of like a like my lions kind of fandom no one cares about them and so right. it, it kind of gives you a little bit of pride to be like yeah i'm a fan of a team that nobody cares about well I, I so think- now people are starting to care and so it's sort of like Part of me is like, yeah, hop on the bandwagon. And part of me is like, hey, this is mine. You know, uh, I know the feeling. Casual, uh, bad teams don't have casual fans. You know, yeah, exactly. Yep. And the casual fans are the ones who bother me sometimes because they're the ones who like. I remember when the Cleveland Cavs came around. You know, during the LeBron era, and everyone would buy tickets because it's LeBron game. So when it's a in demand team like that, that's when you get more casual fans because it's just like, yeah, I'm here to see LeBron. I don't go to any other games, and they were like booing Kevin Love. Whereas I feel like the real Wolves fans weren't booing Kevin Love because we were like, yeah, we get it. ovation. Right, exactly. So sometimes the casual fans can bother me, but that is just a symptom of success. You got to kind of take it. You know, you got a good problem to have. You got to have the people like, yeah, it is, it is a problem though because I hate it when people are like, trade cat, you got to trade cat. And it's just like, yeah, you guys, I can tell, are just like fans of other sports who are kind of just, you know, driving through here right now. You don't have but, the emotional investment. And so you, right. you just be willing to just trade everybody when it doesn't work out so right exactly you yeah. see like the team with the worst fans like the lakers because they're most popular you know so you're gonna have the most fans and when you have the most fans you have a higher percentage of bad totally ones, you know so like i get it uh but that's just something we're going to deal with robert because our success trajectory is upwards you know it's our so, cross to bear exactly and and you know ant's going to be the star of the league here if he isn't already so let's uh you know get ready for that can't wait all right, well, let's go take a break real quick. You know, Neil's trips to Disney World, they're not free. We got to we gotta get the moolah to send him to Orlando. So we're going to read a quick sponsor. Uh, tonight's sponsor is a public service announcement from the Centers for Disease Control. Your Minnesota Timberwolves have shocked the league this season with their rugged and determined defensive focus. With lockdown defensive stoppers like Patrick Beverly, Joshua Kogi, and Jared Vanderbilt, Opposing teams know they have a tough night ahead of them when they match up with the Wolves. But even the strongest, most complex defensive schemes can't slow down the flu. Did the Wizards beat the Wolves this week, or was it the flu? Scientists have yet to discover a way to box out this malicious malady, but thankfully, there is a way to put it on ice, ice, ice. Getting a flu shot won't make you Defensive Player of the Year, but it will prevent you from deeper disease debilitation and protect your teammates from the spread of this seasonal sickness. In fact, the flu vaccine might just be the most important shot you take all season. Get your flu shot today. Thank you to the CDC for their support of Wolfscast. All right, now it's time for Power Rankings. Power. 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 I love a good power ranking, and you know, I was listening to the Dane Moore Britt Robson podcast uh, mm-hmm. the other day. It's the Dane Moore podcast. If you're searching for it, it's not the Dane Moore Britt Robson. Everyone should be listening to Dane Moore. You're familiar. Uh, he's oh, I listen as much as I can. Yeah. And uh, Britt, this is his favorite non-KG team that he's ever watched, and he's been covering the team since the '90s. Again, that's not a super high bar, but no, not not but really. Point taken. But basically, you're saying you like it more than the Jimmy Butler Jeff Teague team, and you like it more than the Kevin Love Nikola Pekovic Kevin Martin team. You know, yeah, I like those teams. Yeah, the but- uh, Ke- Kevin Love Andre Karolenko. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I just saw a stat the other day that this we were eleven and ten, and it was the first time we started eleven and ten since the Karolinko season, which I yeah. remember we were talking about on the podcast. We called that the team had gotten the nickname the Iron Nine because only nine <laughs> players were healthy for like the first like dozen games and it was like Ricky Rubio and AK and this was the knuckle push-up season so Kevin Love was out, and a bunch of other people were out and it was just like really you know we weren't playing our style of basketball because it was like you can't really play the scheme you made up for Kevin Love when he's not there so it was really just kind of like scrappy night by night let's figure this out kind of basketball and started 11 and 10 and a lot of people were like this is the season and then yeah I think they finished with like like 40 and 42 or something like I, that? I believe that was the next year without Karolinko. Oh, okay. My that, that was the okay. w- what we referred to on the pod as the last love season. So Ah, the lost that. love season. So in celebration of this exciting team and uh, all the great things that come with it, we're going to rank tonight our favorite things about this year's team. Let's I like it. Start, let's get started with number eight. All right, number eight, appropriately, is V8. Uh, that is Jerry nice. Vanderbilt. You know, I think, especially for a guy who was not on the roster in the offseason, because, you know, you know, you know he, he was up for, uh, I don't know if he was restricted or unrestricted. Yeah, he was restricted. He yeah. was restricted. So uh, we would have been able to match any offer. But it seemed like the Timberwolves uh, was always part of the plan. It's uh, What I heard throughout the offseason was they're going to take care of business with Vanderbilt. There's some question about whether, you know, trading Ricky for Torian was to free up some money so you can do stuff like that. So it was clearly a priority. Uh, which was maybe a little questionable just because he didn't have the biggest role on the team last year. I mean, last year, Jaden was so good on defense. It was like Jared is the the bench defense guy. And when a team is so, you know, tied up salary wise, are you really going to carve out how much can we pay for this bench defense guy? And, uh, you know, he's, he got like 5 million or something. Very reasonable. Looking like a bargain right now. Looking like a bargain. And all the winning has coincided with him being in the starting lineup pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the uh, Jaden McDaniels at the four kind of experiment wasn't going very well. And you had like they Finch was trying some different things. And I think he found I think he found a winner in in uh, V8 at the four and just kind of letting him loose to rebound. And the offensive rebounding has just been crazy. Yeah, from him. He. uh, Aesthetically, too, like he has some of the most crazy rebounds where he just like flies in and takes away. He's a super athletic guy. And I get the kind of Dennis Rodman comparisons at times uh, just because of rebounding out of his area and the anticipation has been really really entertaining yeah i think you know we all saw kevin love when he played here he was great about reading the angles he would see where a shot was taken from and he'd kind of figure out where to put his body and then he had great wingspan he'd stick his arms up and just catch a lot of them this is a different kind of rebounding for vando vando is throwing himself at some of these rebounds and i think it's crazy because you know you watch basketball you see these superstar dunks or these dagger three-pointers and like that stuff's all really cool but the stuff that like really gets my takes my breath away sometimes is just the kind of stuff that like any guy could do if they tried hard enough just like vando Mm -hmm. just like throwing himself at these rebounds and like especially when rebounding was such a killer for us early in the season to start the season we were just getting destroyed on the boards and it was like how are we ever going to compete if we can't get rebounds and he has just transformed the success of this team with his just like relentless pursuit of especially like he's on offensive boards yeah so i'm a a big fan i think they've 
And he's still young too. That's oh, the yeah. other kind of crazy thing. He's like twenty three or something. Oh yeah, he's like a young that. guy. So he's he's, he's still filling out. Grow. He put on a bunch of muscle this offseason. Can't wait to see what he looks like next year. You know, seems like a good guy too. He's easy to root for. Absolutely. All right, let's go on to number seven. Number seven is beating rivals. Yeah, that's right. We've had uh, you know a couple good wins, a couple bad losses, whatever it may have you. But the ones that stick with us are the ones when we take down the teams that really annoy us. And I think that mm. most recently, obviously, we talked. We spent the first part of this pod talking about Philadelphia. I realized that there's no player in the league who ticks me off more than Joel Embiid. You know, there's no player yep. who I am more schadenfreude for. Like, he would take that as a compliment. Too. Exactly, he would. And so, like, I, I, there are very few players in this league, because I kind of cheer for all the players, but there are a handful of players that, like, really just get me so annoyed that, like, it really affects with my enjoyment while I'm watching it, because I'm getting so ticked off. And it, that could be a good thing. That's what, I mean, that's what wrestling is, you know, is good yeah, villains and there stuff. You go. And so it, it definitely draws, like, an emotional reaction from me, but, like, like being able to one take it to him in Philadelphia, and then to a lesser extent, but uh, some fans will say it's worse is Jimmy Butler in Miami. You know, uh, oh yeah, we didn't go to Miami; he came here. But maybe that's even better because then you get the whole crowd booing Jimmy on all the touches, and you know, it's one thing to boo a guy every time he touches it, but then if his team wins, it's kind of like, ha ha, screw you guys. You know, boo right. me, I just won. It's way better to boo someone, and then they ha- that that player has a bad game, and their team loses to a team like yeah, Jimmy really wasn't ball. much of a factor. No, that, no, he was, you know, game. and he tried to bully Ant, and Ant was not having it. And yep. like, I thought, too, in that game, I didn't talk about it on the pod at the time, but after that whole Jimmy thing, then Jimmy was like, yelling at some fans courtside and so that kind of got yep. the whole crowd even more against him and then ant started pumping up the crowd in a way that i haven't really seen done since jimmy you know the kind of thing where mm-hmm. the timeout is called but he runs to the other side of the court and and is like are you not entertained you know get up get the noise <laughs> going and it just is like jimmy was really the villain that night and it just made ant seem so much more heroic in comparison like he was really the tim rolls hero you know yeah, Ant's got the. Uh, I mean, he's a second-year guy, but he he's a he's got like veteran-level showmanship mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, yeah, it's and that's what rivalries are about. Sometimes that's right. just getting beat- the crowd into it and. Getting them to boo, getting them to cheer, all those swings. It's not a big rivalry, but there's always a kind of Minnesota-Wisconsin rivalry, so it's nice to uh, yeah. win in Milwaukee. I mean, I love the Bucks, and it's not like we face them that often, so it's not a huge rivalry. There's no bad blood between Border the teams. Border battle. And actually, it has the opposite of bad blood. The blood was so good between the teams. We all traded jerseys like we had just like won a championship or the Olympics <laughs> or something after that game. It was still so weird how we all were just like trading jerseys like crazy after that game. But uh, Still looking for that elusive win over Denver. Yeah. I honestly think they're probably the Wolves big. I mean, other than like rivalries because a player that the Wolves hate right. is on their team. Um, I think probably uh Denver's probably the Wolves biggest rival that I can that I would consider. Sure. And it's been a while since we've gotten a win against them. We'll get some more tries though. Yeah. Or right. and also the small your team, you took our team. We beat the Lakers, you know, small rivalry yeah, there. So there you go. Got to love it. So far, we're winning the games mm-hmm. that, you know, mean the most to fans. There All you right. go. And we're winning those games because of number six effort. 
I mean, we talked about the Charlotte effort, and now that'll be that'll be the shorthand for effort. We got Charlotte vibes, you know, whenever there's a low effort night. But for the most part, even in you know games where we've been kind of outmatched, we have been playing with an effort uh, that we usually don't see out of the Wolves. I mean, I think there's only been two games this season where I've been like, this is this is like last year's Timberwolves team kind of energy. You know, this is the Timberwolves. This is lottery season energy. But for the most part, a lot of good effort, and you know that's going to win you a lot of fans around here. Yeah, and I think it's effort combined with, especially when we're talking on the defensive side, effort combined with a a game plan that fits the uh, fits the personnel better. And so it's like, hey, not only am I giving effort, but I'm giving effort because I know it's going into something that's actually going to work, which hasn't really been the case in a lot of uh, a lot of Wolves teams of the past. It's like, why give effort on something that is going to that is flawed from the start. Right. Exactly. Is what I, is what, uh, the vibe that I used to get. So, and yeah, it's, it's tone setting guys like Vanderbilt's probably the first one that comes to mind. Um, I mean, Okogi in the minutes that he's gotten, especially lately has been given a lot of effort and that's rubbed off of guys like D'Lo and cat. And I mean, we'll talk about them later, but, uh, they, you're talking about the, uh, Dane Moore, um, Dane Moore, Britt Robson podcast. they, I love Britt when he talks about the Pat Bev effect. Yeah, absolutely. He says that, yeah, so we'll get to that later, though. But, yeah, the effort has been good. They've been bringing it. And one player who has been particularly showing some effort, especially, you know, he's kind of, well, let's let's say the number, number five. He's kind of known for being cool, you know, for maybe having ice in his veins. And so sometimes that that coolness can uh, make it look like he's not trying very hard. But this year, it's you can't mistake how hard he's trying on defense. That is D'Angelo Russell. And uh, he's just been a revelation. I think he still isn't. I mean, he's had some great offensive games, especially like like we said, he carried us in those overtimes for the Philadelphia. Philly game, big yeah. big hero energy. But I think he still hasn't really found his uh, you know his night to night consistency on offense. And maybe that's because for maybe the biggest part of his career. I mean, maybe for the first time in his career, he's dedicating so much effort to the defensive end. You know, I think that it's just been a revelation. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't belabor the point too much. Much, but just he's not built he doesn't have the physical tools or the athleticism that a lot of guys like Vando have or Jaden might have you know with those that Wayne span he doesn't have the tools to be a good defender so he's just got to you know be smart and and try hard and that's what we've been getting out of him and I just think that all around the D-Low package has been enjoyable this year yeah yeah I've been I mean, going into this year, he was probably the player that I was like least excited about, honestly, just because the D'Lo, the D'Lo experience has been one for me where it's just sort of you question if he really cares that much. You know, his like you talk about how he doesn't have the athletic gifts of some other guards in the league, and so the way that he gets his uh, he gets his points and how he affects the game is kind of like he's shifty and. And he, you know, he he can often settle for jumpers and stuff like that because he's not great at getting the rim. He's not an above the rim type player, and so that can kind of get confused for nonchalance at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and but this year, you've seen like he's actually taking on like a leadership role, and you know he's calling out plays, calling out sets that the other teams are doing, um, and he's kind of taking that upon himself, and. Yeah, it's been he's been a a big asset. He might be 
I mean, I don't want to say he's been consistently the Wolves' best player because he's had some duds and everything, but he's found other ways other than just, like, three-point shooting to impact the game. And, you know, even in his bad shooting games, you'll see he has, like, nine assists or, you know, he had a a positive plus-minus or something like that. Um, So he's been definitely a big... He's rebuilt his value in in ways that I didn't think were going to be possible. Like if you told me D'Angelo Russell was going to be a be shooting like below his career average from three, but he was still going to be having one of the best seasons of his career because he's impacting the like he's rebounding and he's getting steals and he's impacting the game defensively and he's being a leader. I would have not believed you so yeah it's been very surprising in a good way yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens how the national uh media or fans react when the word catches up because i feel like you know he has to keep playing like this for a little bit longer for right people to take note on a national level but it'll be interesting to see yeah he's got a rep and he's got a you know and i think a lot of people like even me are like we know what d'lo is he's not going to change we know the kind of player he is but like lo and behold this is a different guy this year Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Well, what he's been doing is contributing to number four. That's winning. Winning. That's right. There are three things we like more than winning, but the winning has been good this season. We are at 511 wins, 11 losses, and that's pretty darn good by the Wolves standards. I remember last season, I asked Neil after Chris Finch's first loss as coach, I said, will he ever have a positive coaching record? <laughs> because that's the curse when you have a bad team like the Wolves is you, you know, you start your yeah. first season, you're like 10 and 30 at the end of it. And then it's like, only get that with like the, the Luke Walton sort of, right. Well, he, he, with the Kings at least, but yeah, yeah, that, that sort of vibe where it's like, this is my chance to be above 500 for once. Right. A winning it's, coach. So that's that was my question. And it, it just goes to show you just like how hard it is to claw back after like a losing streak or something. But uh, just like, you know, we've had some good wins. And I feel like despite that one bad losing streak, for the most part, if we've had a bad night or a bad couple nights, we find a way to, you know, stop the bleeding so it doesn't get too bad. So, uh, you know, who, what, what's not to like about winning? Yeah, and I'm trying to enjoy it right now because December is going to be a tough month. It would not surprise me if the Wolves, you know, were below 500 at the end of December. Right. But as long as you can kind of keep around that 500 mark, I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Um, you can't get too discouraged if there's a couple, you know, two or three game losing streaks in there. Hopefully, they sneak out a couple of these tougher games. Um, but yeah, just enjoying the winning and enjoying like, hey, the Wolves were going for six straight at one point, and then that was there was some stat that's like it hasn't been since like two thousand four since the Wolves had won six straight or something. Right, like exactly. That. Yeah, so maybe and it's like we'll seven of eight, that. and you know, eight of nine, right? You know, eight of ten or whatever. It's like, hey, this is good stuff. This savor these moments. Right, exactly. And maybe at the end of the season, we'll laugh that we had put this up. But even if that happens, we'll, we'll say, yeah, we did appreciate the win. How naive could we have been? Right, exactly. Well. Let's go on to number three. That's Pat Beverly. Patrick Beverly is his full name, but you might know him as Mr. 92 Feet. Yeah, he's a real pit bull, as the animal everyone always says. And I just think that, like, 
His attitude has changed the culture of the Timberwolves. I've always really admired him as a player. People say he's the kind of player you hate him when he's on the other team and you love him when he's on your oh, team. Yeah. I don't think that's true because I've always loved Pat Bev. I have always appreciated the role of just like that nuisance. I mean, he's such a good defender, but he's more than that. He gets into your head. You know, he, he's a mm-hmm. he's a he's a bully. You know, and I just think that that's really fun and he he brings an energy to the Wolves that we've lacked for so long that even you know when he's not playing I feel like he's still having an influence people have been joking about assistant coach Pat Bev when he's been injured you know because he's talking so much he's coaching the team up like a coach but um just everything about the Pat Bev experience I've really enjoyed the season and I don't want him to leave you know like I'd, I yeah I've been thinking about that right like let's keep him here because I mean I might it might be foolish to think we can keep him we could resign him because you know he's going to have other options and maybe he has higher aspirations than playing for the Timberwolves but I would make it a priority to try to hold on to him for a while because he has been just like such a difference maker for the, this yeah. franchise. What's been refreshing, I feel I've kind of thought of, I've heard some parallels, uh, parallels made between Pat Bev and Jimmy Butler in terms of kind of the leadership styles that they have and how they're both, you know, there's some similarities, but there's also some differences. The big thing with Pat Bev is like he's never been like a star player. You know, he's not he he he's fine playing a role and he but and that that sort of tension always seemed to be there between Jimmy and Cat and Wiggins in terms of like the leadership on yeah. the court and off the court and who's getting the ball and like Pat Bev would be fine. I'm sure he would be fine taking like two shots a game or something if it meant that they were winning and he was setting up other guys. Jimmy, I don't know that you could have said that. So there's a lot of uh, there's there's a refreshing leadership style that he has, and yeah, it definitely has changed a lot in terms of guys like D'Lo, who again, most like nonchalant, cool guy. That was his whole personality. Is like he's the he's cool, but and but that got that got mistaken for not caring. Right. And now you definitely could say like, hey, this guy cares. He wants to win. And I think maybe if Pat Bev hadn't been in the locker room, and I heard something, and we were ta- again we keep going back to this uh, Brit and uh, Brit and Dane Moore podcast, but that before the season, uh, Pat Bev sat down with like each player and like and Chris Finch or something, and said like, "What is your role on the team? Like, explain it to us." And it's just like, man, he's putting a fine point on things, yeah. and that's some stuff we haven't seen before a guy who wants to develop other players and wants to hold people accountable and has that kind of gravitas and the resume to be able to hold people accountable in ways that like Jimmy and even like Ricky didn't really have. Right, exactly. I think Ant has said something about just, you know, how he's been holding them accountable. So yeah, like I think that's true that it's a different leadership style than Ricky, but uh, you know, it's been very effective. So yeah, that's great. Let's go on to number two. Speaking of Ant, Anthony Edwards is number two on this list, number one on the jersey, number one in the hearts, but number two on this mm. list. Uh, you know, he has a, he's had some really streaky shooting, I feel like, especially from three. Big time. Um, a lot of kind of the easy complaint is why does he take so many threes when he goes to the rim? He does such amazing things that just take your breath away. And it's just like, why doesn't he do that thing that works every time and not do the thing that only works some of the time? But I do think there's some truth that. It, it, 
him shooting like nine threes a night or like seven threes a night is what helps him open up the paint a little bit. I think that he has an easier time getting by guys if the if the guy who's guarding him has to be like he might just jack a three right now, you know. So I think that he, you know, maybe there's a better distribution between shots at the rim or shots in the paint versus shots from three. But I do think he needs to be shooting a pretty good volume of three pointers, and you know he's he's shooting like thirty four percent or something. It's not it's not great, but it's also not really killing you. And the nights when he does get hot, sometimes he'll win you the quarter. Sometimes he'll win you the game just with like the one hot stretch he'll get where he makes three threes oh, in yeah. a row or something. He can really those those quarters where he just goes on a tear have been just huge for the team. So I don't I don't even mind the three point shooting. I think that he it's just a great energy to have on the court. He's been trying harder on defense. You can see you know that it, it, he was all offense last season, just no defense, and it's just the effort that he's been putting in on defense, getting strips and stuff. He's getting a couple steals a game. It feels like just been rebounding. Great. Yeah, and and then you know that's that's all just tertiary to the most important thing, which is Ant as a character. His personality is so much fun. Uh, I literally go on YouTube and watch his post game interviews. I've never done that for a Wolves player before. Yeah, you know, like he's hilarious. It's just enjoyable. Every interview is a gem, and it's just like having him. and And he's a guy like man. I feel like Cat had a lot of responsibilities put on himself real young. So he Cat's always been, seemed like he's been carrying the burden during his career. Kevin Love was that way too. Where it just feels like it weighs on them the responsibilities they have and ant totally it seems like nothing was weighing him down he is just rising he's buoyant he's bouncy you know he's just like nothing brings ant down and it's just kind of an infectious energy that uh you know we really haven't had in a while so i just totally uh, they're not an easier guy in the league to cheer for than anthony edwards yeah and he's he's got some randy moss kind of vibes to him in terms of like the uh the carefree attitude, but also like the intensity yeah. that he brings, and so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see what he does. I just in terms of the on court stuff, yeah, he, his his shooting can be streaky. I would like to see him maybe cut a little bit more. So much of his offense is coming in like isolation, um, and he's so big and so fast and can jump so high that you'd like to maybe see him work as a cutter a little bit more. But you know that. He's still like he's twenty years old, and that that stuff's gonna come. So, oh, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean that was the rub on him coming in. Is everyone was like, does he care about basketball? I have not seen anything. Yeah, he wants to be in the NFL. Yeah, I have not seen anything out of him that indicates like that he has a bigger passion than this. Like Andrew Wiggins immediately, it was like, oh, this dude goes home and plays Call of Duty all night. I can tell because it's on his <laughs> Snapchat. You know, like this guy really cares about Call of Duty like a lot. And I don't, I haven't seen anything from Ant that is, shows that he has a greater passion in his life than basketball, which is you know refreshing. Totally. Love all right. It. Well, we all love Ant. What's the only thing we love more? That's number one. Tough to beat Ant, but we're going to go with defense. When you got a top ten rating in defense in the league, sometimes even top five. You know, depending on what metric and which week you're looking at, that is something that we haven't seen ever. I don't even think the Jimmy Butler team did it. So, like, we haven't seen it since, no. it, since K- KG. So hold not even a whole generation like multiple generations of Timberwolves fans have grown up (laughs) not having ever seen this team play defense and it's still a wild experience to me it's still like 
It makes me delirious. I'm like, is this real? I can't believe it's still. Is this a fever dream? Uh, I can't I can't believe it's still either. I think it's like a practical joke. I'm waiting for the rug to get pulled out from under me. I cannot believe it. And it's just like, I never knew this is the way I wanted us to play basketball. But I'm like, yeah, give me defense first and offense can come at a distant second. Like, give me the defensive focus. This is so much fun. Even when we're having a bad offensive game, we're still in it because of defense and uh, it's just been a rush. I think that's been the number one most fun thing about this team this season. Yeah, it's crazy for as poorly as the Wolves have been offensively, especially in like three-point shooting and then the half court. Um, kind of the, the connection between – I mean, they have an identity defensively now, which is like, hey, we're going to be super aggressive. We're going to try to force turnovers. We're going to – scramble all over the place we're just going to be everywhere and yeah there's been some there's some drawbacks to that but they've made it work and I'm again this goes along with the winning thing I'm just trying to savor these moments because as a Wolves fan you don't want to take this for granted right uh being winning games being good on defense it's like this is stuff that this is a whole new experience and like we uh, said if, if we get Wolves scouted fans, our defense KG. yeah our defense might not look this good if you know like the Wizards kind of figure it out by scouting us but we'll make adjustments I think the thing is just our effort and our energy and our focus it gives mm-hmm. me confidence that even as teams figure out our defense we'll find ways to still yeah, keep and especially it up. with like the top three minute getters on the team are like D'Lo, Cat, and Ant. Oh, unbelievable! Like those those three are anchoring a like a, a top five, seven, whatever defense. It's like that's insane. Like if, how if, no one would have thought that. If we can keep that up through the season, it's going to change these guys' reputations a whole lot. Like it'll change yeah, how make the some de- money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll change how the whole league perceives them if they can rock a top ten defense all season and be the Show top three grit. minute dinner. Yeah, exactly. Wow. All right. Well, what you let us know what we missed. Maybe Cat. Obviously, he was not on the list. Uh, he's been great, but he's kind of been great in the same way. So uh, I don't know. We could talk about it online. Hit us up at Twitter. Mike Norcast. Mike Nori, not on the list. Is that a, uh, is that a missing? You know. So let us know what you would put on your list. Let us know if we were right or wrong about certain things. Hit us up at Wolvescast on Twitter, and we can have a chat or in the comments. Man, you guys don't leave comments on the Canis post anymore, and it just makes me sad. So leave some comments on Canis mm. for me, just for me to build me up a little bit. Thanks. <laughs> All right, let's go on and do our weekly Wolfie. Now presenting your Weekly Wolfie. All right, everybody, Weekly Wolfies. They're an award we give out for any reason every week. Um, and we're going to kind of keep them a little bit more brief. Unless you have a great story and you were waiting all like a month to tell something, Robert, you know, about your Wolfie. <laughs> I'll, I'll get started off real quick. The Bally Sports app, I've already railed against it on the pod before. But this past week, there's a new glitch where if you're watching a replay of the game, you can't fast forward, rewind, or pause it. And it just gets really hard. Like, I love, you know, watching the replay because if I miss a play, I can just wheel back and watch it again or stuff like that. And it takes me a little bit longer, but I really get into the game that way. And it just ruins your whole experience. If you miss a play, you can't rewind and watch it. it when you get to halftime, you can't fast forward halftime and keep watching. You're just like, I'm stuck here watching halftime now, even though it's a replay. And you can't pause it for a second. Like, if like my dog needed me in the other room or something, there was some reason I had to, like, go in and leave the room real quick and instead of pause i can't pause it so i had to back out of the recording 
And then I went back in the recording and one, just going out of the recording and back into the replay makes you get served with three ads that you can't skip. But most of the time it would restart the game. And since I can't fast forward, I have to decide, am I going to watch the first half again or am I just going to not watch this game? You know, so really just a terrible experience. It's frustrating because other games on the app that are not Timberwolves games are working fine. So I don't know what the glitch is, but they got to get this in order. And Bally Sports, man, Sinclair is ruining your business. Like Bally Sports paid for the naming rights and I have it, what talk about a reputation soiler, man. I have a, such a poor experience with Bally. I wouldn't trust their slot machines, you know, after experiencing <laughs> their apps. You got to think that this is having a negative impact on, on their business. They're not getting their money's worth out of these naming rights. So boo on you, Bally Sports. Fix it. This is such a huge bummer. I can't believe I have to put up with it. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I've got a positive Wolfie to give out. Uh, my weekly Wolfie is going to Alan Horton. Uh, a number of the past game, the game so far this uh, this season, I have actually listened to on the radio while driving. Nice, and he is so good. And it's not an easy job at being like a one man broadcast. It's so difficult. Um, he knows his stuff. You know, I think he's got a good feel for like when to kind of give some context and kind of go away from just like the standard play-by-play sort of stuff. And so, yeah, there might be a couple, like two possessions where he's giving some kind of context on the season or talking about a stat or something like that. And you, you, you hear cheering in the background and you're like, what just happened? But that's okay because he's so good at the other stuff. The other thing I've really been looking forward to is, um, after some of these bigger wins with like these big plays, like the the at the ant dunk on um, uh, I forget his name, Gabe Vincent. Oh yeah, uh, not a dunk D- actually, D- not a dunk. It was actually a charge. Yeah, it was a fu. Yeah, God. Or the some of the D'Lo threes at the end of the uh, Sixers game, or the Kogi block. You know, all these different big plays. Uh, we've gotten the uh, the audio of the Allen Horton uh, call. Uh, and it's always just great, especially that ant, uh, that ant offensive foul, yeah. uh, where he just is going crazy and oh, yelling yeah. and stuff. Just he he gives a lot of personality. He calls it down the middle. You know he's a Wolves fan, uh, but you know it. I feel good for with the Wolves being better this year. You know who I feel really good for. I feel good for like the uh, the Allen Hortons and the oh, yeah. uh, Jim Pete and the Benzes yep. and like all these guys, all these people that were just like mired in the mediocrity of the wolves and now it's like hey they can hold their head up high a little bit more and be like yeah i'm the broadcast voice of the timberwolves a winning team oh we, like, we have we said on the stuff. podcast there's no worse job in the country than being the season ticket rep salesman for oh, the timberwolves and now they worst. have finally some some wind in their sails so yes there are a lot of people yeah, there you who, go who uh you know have deserved to have a good team for a while so Let's go ahead and get into the game. I'm excited because I will be being quizzed for once. What do you have for me, Ron? Yes. Okay. So earlier in the season, uh, maybe you noticed, but um, like an NBA NBA Twitter account put put out some tweets that was like um, Malik Beasley had a good game, and they said Michael Beasley goes for like 22 points or something like that. And the comments were gold because they got the two mixed up. So I thought it was time to play a game called Know Your Bees. So 
I'm going to give you a fact, and the ant- you're going to have to tell me, is it Michael Beasley, Malik Beasley, or is it both? Ooh, I like the both option. Okay, that's yep. exciting. All right, I've got 10 of them. All right, I'm ready. Let's see how many you can get. Okay, know your bees. Question one. Played one year of college before declaring for the NBA draft. This is a good question because I know for sure Michael Beasley did. He was, besides Derrick Rose, the biggest prospect in that draft. Of course, he's only going to go one. I think it was Kansas State was what he played for. That's right. Uh, but Beasley, not as high of the pedigree. I could definitely see him playing more than one season in college, but I'm going to say both. That is correct. Nice. Good work. Okay. Is ahead of the other in all-time Timberwolves points per game. So I, I saw this graph that was like all the different Timberwolves, all the different points per game leaders in Timberwolves history, just Timberwolves games. Yes, yes. Who's ahead of the other? I think this is fascinating because I look at the leaderboards a lot to quiz Neil and you know when you when it's not totals, accumulative stuff, you can get some really interesting ones on the rate stats, like the per game stats. You know, like Ty Corbin is really high on our assist per game yep. list or whatever. So <laughs> right. I am going to say Michael Beasley. Malik Beasley is ahead Whoa! of Michael Beasley. Wow. So Malik is averaging with the Wolves 16 points, about 17 points a game. Okay. Michael Beasley closer to 16. Wow, I like so that it was close, though. That's good. It I is like close. it when they're close. Yeah. Some of the names on that list are crazy. Good good for you, Malik. I guess I just didn't count in those games last year when he was like scoring 30 because Cat was yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well. It all adds up. Good for you, Malik. All right. Next. Has scored more than 40 points in a game. Um, I know this for, for a fact. It's Michael Beasley. That is correct. Yes. Scored 42 against the Kings. Yeah, with the Wolves. The Wolves. It was great. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, I haven't seen one out of Beasley yet, but give him enough shots and if his shot's on. I can see it happening. There you go. All right, you're two for three. Has a career high of five steals in a game. Oh, man. This is great. Um, I just I can't see I can't see bees doing it. <laughs> Michael bees. Which super, bees. I can't see super, super cool. I can't see super <laughs> cool bees doing it. So I'm gonna say Malik. Both of them wow. have gotten five steals in the game. I should have never doubted. I have a card of He's Michael. Dynamic Beasley. defender Michael Beasley. I have a Michael Beasley card on my desk right now. I'm looking at with him in the Timberwolves jersey. Uh, <laughs> those are good years. Not really. But. They were years. Right. They were years. Okay. Next. Uh, wait. You're two for four now. Has made more than forty million dollars in career contract earnings. Well, I don't think. I mean, Beasley was has be, had more years it's in the bees. league. <laughs> You're right. I gotta say, super cool bees. <laughs> He's the Beasley in my mind. When I say Beasley, I, I'm I'm talking about super cool bees. Super cool bees that was in the league for a lot more years, but a lot of those were kind of like veteran minimum kind of contracts as he was bouncing yep. around the league at the end. And Malik. Was on the rookie scale contract. How, how much money did you say? Forty million. Forty million has like in terms, and maybe this will reveal it, I guess. But like, has earned it so far, or has signed a contract where he will earn it in the future? Is kind so, of the question. So far. Okay. So, so far has you know, earned future it. earnings haven't been counted. Okay, I'm gonna say Michael Beasley. Then I don't think Malik has gotten there yet. That's right. It's Michael Beasley. Nice. And Malik's gonna get there next year, but uh, yeah. yeah, Michael made a little bit north of forty million. That's right. All right. I wonder how much of that he still has. <sighs> Probably. He's still he's playing for, like, the Chinese League. Or right, so. yeah. Who knows? We'll see. 
All right, next. Has been arrested for marijuana possession. Oh, this is a, this is a fun one. This is both of them. <laughs> that is correct. Yes, I... Uh, I remember when I remember I was at Teresa's Mexican restaurant when I heard about Michael Beasley uh, getting arrested for it, and I said, "Michael Beasley got arrested for the two things I do every day: speed in my car and smoke weed." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're what now? You're uh, four for six. All right, I'll take it. Looking good. Or no, you're four for three for five. Something, whatever. Okay, let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, next, kind of related to that, has served jail time. Well, Malik obviously did. Has Michael Beasley served jail time? Wow, this is such a great question on its own. I just, <laughs> I would love to sit and ruminate in that question for a minute, but I guess I'm just going to have to say only Malik has. That is correct. All right. Michael, Michael really, never, really beating the odds there. The clink. Yeah, I think almost everyone would have put their money on Michael, you know, if you ask. Yeah. All right. I got some quick, quick hitter ones that are just like ga- high, game highs. Okay. All right. Career high of nine assists in a game. Malik. Michael Beasley. Wow, super, super cool. cool. Super, super cool, cool distributor. All right. Career high of seven made threes in a game. This one, I, uh, unless it's both, I know Malik has never gotten to eight. I've been watching it, so I'm going to say Malik. That's correct. Yes. And last one. Career high of 31 field goal attempts in a game. There were a couple games where Beasley took a lot of shots, but I don't think he ever took that many. Whereas Michael Beasley was the biggest star in his own head. You know, he he was as good as LeBron in his own head, so he would never limit his his number of shot attempts. He had no shame. I'm gonna say super cool Beasley. Super cool, correct answer. Nice. Good work. Uh, so I love you my got Beasleys. like what six out of ten? Yeah, I, I definitely Something had uh, like more right than Ron because like yeah. I said, uh, super you cool know bees. Your bees. Super cool bees is still one of my favorite Timberwolves players, as evidenced by the basketball card on my deck, uh, on my desk. <laughs> just the combination of personality and style, and not really much about what he did on the court, but just like man, what a fun character. I, I, there was a stretch fan. of like there was a stretch of maybe twenty or thirty games when he was with the Wolves where it was like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Oh yeah. And no, we, that first Ricky Rubio we season. We fleeced the heat. Yeah, yeah. That first season with Ricky, we had Michael and Kevin, and it would be like, who's going to get 30 points tonight, Kevin Love or or Beasley? And it's just like, wow, we have two two stars in the making here. And yeah, then we the got Wolves this got their, they got their alpha score. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, like you said, it was about 20 games until reality came around. But, man, <laughs> what an intoxicating 20 games. Yep. Man. Remember it shout, shout out to Super Cool Bees. Come on the pod. Oh, that would be what a get. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for sticking around. Hopefully you enjoyed this extended episode of Wolf's Cast. You see, I always say it. If you guys want more of Wolf's Cast, complain to Neil. He's the one who's who's crunching these down into a manageable size podcast. But hopefully, you know, we helped you out on a long car ride or you're doing some chores or whatever it is. Maybe you listen to us while you play NBA 2K. I just want to thank mm. you all for listening. Uh, check out the Kings of the North. That's Robert's podcast. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot funnier than our podcast, but it's about football. <laughs> so it kind of evens out there if you want to check it out but i would definitely check it out if i were you they have some very silly and fun antics and i uh, get a huge kick out of listening even though i don't like the nfl i actively hate the nfl so it should really tell you something about the quality of the podcast that i love it so much well, um, thank you scott appreciate the kind words of course and happy uh, belated birthday looking forward to celebrating with you mm. this weekend we'll have some good yeah. times and looking forward to it uh you know hopefully we can celebrate <laughs> 
a Wolves uh, uh, competitive game against Brooklyn. Well, this can be a moral victory for us. Just keep exactly. It That's right? yeah. I'll I'll be happy with a competitive game. Well, let's let's see the the slim the slim reaper fit, uh, against the slim sleeper in Jaden McDaniels. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a skinny dude That's matchup. Great. Let's see it. All right, Ooh. everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Check out canasupas.com. Find us at Wolfscast on Twitter, Wolfscast Pod on Instagram, Wolfscast.com. We're selling palm hats. Use the hashtag, not the hashtag, the promo code Antifax. Get a discount. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Back to Russell. D'Lo now feeds it in on the move. He'll rise up. Oh, he hammered it. He threw it down. Oh, my goodness. They're going to wave it off. Curtis Blair called an offensive foul. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. You've got to challenge that. You've got to challenge that. He just went up and over Gabe Vincent. Oh, the Wolves don't challenge. It just went up and over. He wasn't set. That's 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 a block. That's a three-point play. Adebayo turnaround jump hook. Oh, the humanity. Back to Russell. Dino now feeds it in on the move. He'll rise up.